you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. Bro, we're touching on that topic again, but but it's making me think back to March 2020? No, uh, March of 2021, when I was like... Actually, no, you're right. It was, it was June of 2020, sorry, when I said, oh man, it's a good thing we've taken a break or we'd have way too many COVID episodes. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, when it first hit, like we didn't really touch this topic. And and you know, now that the the heat's been turning up, they're boiling the frogs. Uh we're we're, we're uh I think rightfully touching on this topic a little bit more. Uh yeah, well, I think this one's timely. I think you know, people kind of had in the back of their minds um that the vaccine passport was going to come to the church it was just a matter of when so it's already come uh, up to this point in this recording i haven't like research wise i haven't really found much information on it per se so yeah we're going to definitely uh jump in with fresh eyes mhm well and and you know i mean just for make sure the listener for for the listener to make sure they understand the vaccine passports are a optional scenario for churches and what that allows them to do is essentially if they implement it they can remove the capacity limitations that they currently are under does it also include masks um i mean no i mean the as far as i understand the mask rules haven't changed okay uh and for the listeners so so this less this um episode came from a tweet from jamil giovanni about three days ago, and, and that, that's how that's how I stumbled across it. And and he says this: uh, Ontario's new rules will give places of worship the ability to opt in to vaccine passports. This will be tragically divisive in our communities and may turn believers against one another. A true shame. Protect your hearts, brothers and sisters. And, was, and then and then he attached the document, um, the, the the policy document um, to the tweet. So, you know, uh, ch- checked it out. And I was like, oh wait, there, there there's something here. There's a lot of um, layers to peel back in regards to what this will potentially look like once it's once it eventually starts to play out. So the direction we'll go with this episode is we'll look at incentives matter. Vaccine passports make church easier. The second point would be uh, love your neighbor, consider others more important than yourself. And uh, wealth, wealthism, racism, healthism. So, but before we do jump into the topic, I think it's a uh, fitting to um, make reference to the fact that. It's it's kind of there's a couple ironic components. Ironic might not be the right word. There's a couple interesting components to this uh, safety plan, as we, uh, we we've been made aware of by the government, and that is, you know, we've had a, a many of these plans over the last two years, and you know, there's one consistent thing, and that is 
there are zero objective standards provided. Right? Definitely left to be subjective. And if uh, I'll put the, the link in the show notes play page for, for sort of this one-page graphic that I think summarizes the plan really well. Um, and for winter 2021, 2022, when they're planning to sort of move away from some of these things, it says, in the absence of concerning trends. Do you think concerning trends is an objective criteria? No, it doesn't sound like it. Um, and, and, but this is the point. If you go back, if people want to go and do the work and find them, um, I can't remember the March 2021 lockdown protocols that we've sort of just come out of for the summer of 2021. But spring 2020, we had a reopening plan of phase one, phase two, phase three. And then December 2020, we had a color-coded lockdown, gray, red, yellow, green, something like that, that was like, you know, protect, lock. And it was like, again, no, there was some objective criteria for, for case numbers, but, but it was really, there was an inability to hold those accountable with regards to objective criteria to determine that the measures they're putting in place are effective. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, yeah, but I guess for some people, that's still the idea. Yes, you're saying objective, but some people, it's just, it's all relative. You're just going to go along well, with what's oh, okay. being said. Objective may not be the right word. My point is that how do you judge something when you provide no benchmarks, right? Like, how do we know that vaccine passports are actually making a difference? Well, because obviously the government wouldn't do it without it. So we just have to assume that it's a better solution and obviously things would be way worse if we weren't doing this sounds like a politician right. you right? know what i hear you <laughs> it, it could always be worse mm-hmm. it would have been worse had we not and, and and it's just it's especially in a scenario where we're talking about and you know haven't you i might have used this term on the show before but we're not talking about a sterilizing vaccine and that might sound a little you know crazy of a term um but but sterilizing vaccines are ones that prevent infection, not ones that uh, minimize, let's say, severe outcomes, which wanting the flu shot is, is sort of like that historically. But this vaccine, it's very clear. Vaccinated people can get the infection, they can spread the infection. And so because it's not a sterilizing vaccine, we're not, the vaccine passport doesn't prove or doesn't give any validation that this individual who's coming to your place that you're testing their vaccine certification is is not infectious, is not sick, is not going to cause someone else to get a breakthrough infection. Mm-hmm. And and we have no data to suggest, you know, what type of a vaccinated person is more likely to get infected. Is it, you know, some of the stuff without getting into the too much of the nuance, but you know, is it based on time frame? I mean, there's lots of talk, uh, let's say, in the mainstream news about the need for boosters, which basically says that the vaccine wears off over time. Uh, there's a guy, I've mentioned him on the show before, his funny name, uh, Norman Huchasm. And, and he talks about, or, or no, sorry, it's Human Norchasm. That's why it's funny. Human. Okay. Um, he's sort of speculating a lot of the breakthrough infections are because of vaccine failure. So because we're not testing, after the fact to confirm that the vaccine has worked, his argument, and maybe right, might be wrong, is that it's actually a high rate of failure. 
Uh, he would also refer to early on with these mRNA vaccines, they had to keep them at like super cold temperatures as a way to preserve the contents of uh, the mRNA. He would argue that maybe we've relaxed some of those policies and now the mRNA is being destroyed. And so you're actually injecting a vaccine that's not working because it's, let's say, gone spoiled. Again, I'm not trying to say which arguments are right or wrong. The point is, we really don't have an un a good understanding of the cause and effect relationship between breakthrough infections. And so what does the vaccine passport confirm? Basically, you're obedient. Yeah, well, I and I guess well the the some churches would disagree. Some pastors would disagree with you and argue the exact exact opposite, and that's why they would opt for vaccine passports for their church. Well, I would say that they're going to argue this is what the public health officials suggest. Um, yeah, yes, and 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 you know check the science, and 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 the science speaks for itself. Um, well, he say. She say. Well, and that's why I said it's unexplained as the cause and effect of breakthrough infections. That's more so my point. We don't the, the health officials aren't giving us an explanation of breakthrough infections. We don't we don't have a good reason as to what is the, the reason these are occurring. And and because of that, my point is that the public health officials are still saying this is helpful, but we know breakthrough infections are happening. We know that vaccinated people can spread it. And so even if there's an argument that, let's say, that there's no data that, that fully can I prove this, and that's partly because of where we are, there's no data that says, oh, for sure that vaccinated people reduce spread by X percentage, 10%, 50%, oh, 75%. There's no, we don't have those type of quantifiable numbers. And my point is that they can say, in theory, it should. But until you can start explaining the breakthrough infections and the cause and effect relationship, what you do know the vaccine passport, all it does is say, yes, this person has been vaccinated. But did the vaccine work? Again, in the, that's in the human norchasm argument that, that a lot of the breakthrough infections are because they didn't, you know, the vaccine failure. Or, and, and some of the other arguments that are happening is the idea of the, the effects waning. So the person who got Right now, let's say someone who got the the vaccine in February or March, are they does it are they still given protection, or has it waned? And now they they technically need a booster, which again that's sort of what's coming down the pipe in in terms of these passports. More than likely, after six months of your second shot, and guess what, you're no longer fully vaccinated. So, anyways, I know I've I've sort of gone on a rant there, but my point is that. 100% all that we know is that, yes, this person's vaccinated. We don't ne necessarily know the level of protection they're actually providing, if at, you know, potentially, if any at all. Yeah. And well, well either way, um, whatever the vaccine passport provides in regards to um, making people feel safety, feel safe, is all that matters, right? In a sense. That's all that matters that you're that you're taking the proper precautions to make people feel safe. Well, my argument would be: is that a false sense of safety? Um, yeah, but that's your argument. No, but but this is based on the data, based on the fact that there are breakthrough infections. Like, are you creating a false sense of of safety such that you're going to actually have more infections because people are not going to be as cautious people are going to be less likely to wash their hands they're going to be more likely to uh you know 
have let's call it risky behavior or and more so more importantly i would say for me the perspective is with regards to high risk individuals right like my attitude is if you're not high risk largely the the risks are not being represented properly but for the high risk individual right so the church that goes oh we're fully vaccinated yeah but the the 75 year old guy who can't who cannot get covid are you more likely now to infect him because of the failures with regards to waning or failures or whatever the arguments are regarding breakthrough infections yeah does that false sense of safety actually counter affect the the intended purpose yeah i think that i think that remains to be seen so sure. until until we see these things play out then then you can then people can say oh joel was right but in the meantime people are kind of waiting to see how this experiment unfolds and so now we're looking at a situation where the church um is kind of saying okay well why are uh, churches not doing it why aren't we involved uh you can have vaccine passports at gyms movies but why not the church and and i think i think that that's a valid question um a good question why we don't have it in the church so even if churches take the stance that they should not implement vaccine mandates um uh, so what is their primary motivation mm. for not doing it is it because it produces unfavorable consequences or that it is inherently immoral right and and that's kind of like the the, the ethical dilemma that um a lot of churches will wrestle with into why like if they do they do but if they don't is it because they think it's immoral or or unfavorable consequences like it'll 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 bring division yeah i think um for the i think you know if we look at paul carter's uh article you know i think i think he definitely seems to be leaning um on the side that there's going to be a concern for unity regardless of the side that you stand on right like hypothetically if you've got someone who's exceptionally high risk they're going to be like well i can't come back to church because not everybody's vaccinated now i think that logic that the media you know let's call it the pandemic of the unvaccinated and that the unvaccinated spread the virus more that's also a claim that's not substantiated but definitely um perpetuated by the media and when i say unsubstantiated really what i'm saying is like the the if we look at case numbers in places like Israel that were vaccinated first, the number of cases is the same. Based like so, if ninety five percent of the population is vaccinated, ninety five percent of the cases are in the vaccinated. So that that's more my point in terms of unsubstantiated. And so, if you've got someone who's saying I can't come because you have unvaccinated people there, the dilemma is whether they're right or wrong is not is irrelevant they're going to feel like, well, the church should be putting in this rule because otherwise I can't come to church. Right. And and then flip that around. Obviously, for the vaccinated or unvaccinated, if you put in the passport, well, now they can't come to church. Right. And so regardless, there's a potential for unity issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why uh, churches will be, they'll be tempted to be partial to the unvaccinated in order to uh, grant capacity. You mean to the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because now it becomes a numbers game, which is, mm -hmm. you know, I would say it's understandable, but also an aspect of compromise. 
right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you think about it just purely, like, again, the accounting mind in me, like cost accounting or cost, you know, uh, revenue drivers concepts. Well, the number of butts in the seats will directly impact the amount of donations. Therefore, if we can have more butts in our seats, we'll be more profitable and we can sustain ourselves better. Mm-hmm. Hence, we need a vaccine and, and, passport. Yeah. And I think, well, well, the heart of the issue that those churches that are opting for vaccine passports, uh, based on the National Post article um, where they interviewed um, a couple pastors who were for it, I'll put in the show notes, and and generally they were they were all kind of saying um, the same thing, right? So the idea of proof of vaccination would have made things easier for his congregation, or the certificate uh, would bring peace of mind to people. And then um, another pastor said, "I don't think the government went far enough, and I definitely think they should have mandated religious organizations." Right, um, it definitely would have made our lives easier. So the idea is that yeah, they would they wouldn't be held accountable because they don't have to make the decision. Um, like when he said it would have made our lives easier by mandating it. Yeah. Um. It, right. Um. And and part of it too is yeah, like I'm, I'm sure you know, there, those pastors might have said, okay, well, actually, we agree with um, vaccine passports and getting them. They might be pro-vax, and so part of that support is saying, okay, well. The state also approves it. So you have no grounds to disagree. And then it's just a clean cut break where you're like, okay, well, they're willing to make that separation uh, between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated in their congregation. Well, and, and I would argue they can, if, if the government mandates it, they don't have to worry about forcing their congregants to go against their conscience. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we've mm-hmm. already on the show multiple times, there is a rational, whether you agree with it or not, there's a rational argument to be made regarding abortion and, and being against the use of vaccines. Now, you can argue against it. You can argue for it. That's not the point. But if you have a congregant member who's like, I don't feel comfortable because they use a, you know, because of the relationship with abortion, how, how do you as a pastor go, well, I don't care? You can't. Like, you, you can't. You're, you're literally forcing, you're going against scripture. To be like, no, you have to get vaccinated. On the grounds of the fetal Well, on uh, the grounds that they have a conviction, and you're asking them to go against that conviction. Mm. Right? And there, my yeah. point is that there's a strong biblical argument. There's just, there's one. Not to, me- I mean, we were on our, you know, on the previous show when we were talking about convictions versus opinion, mm-hmm. you know, there could be reasons that they are rationally concerned. Now, you might disagree with them. You might tell them that they're wrong. You might say, oh, you're trusting the quacko docker, doctor. You know, you shouldn't listen to Byron Brindle because somebody created a website showing you how bad he is. Um, whatever the reason, right? Like the point is though that they have if you have if your congregant member actually has a strong conviction to not do something. And you're now telling them to go against it, and arguably, by putting the vaccine passport into your church, you're coercing them to go against it. And and the reason I would use the word coercion, um, I think both you and I would agree, telling your congregant member to participate via Zoom is not church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, granted, someone's laid up in bed, 
obviously zoom is like the only option they have but as a church what would we also do we'd send people to their house to minister to them we send our congregation to go to their house and the person who can't come to the church we go to them right like part of community of being in a church is so much is is so much about being in community like in person and so for me it's like okay you're coercing them to go against their conscience potentially if you put this in place but if the government does it well your hands are clean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right what i would say to that is that like yes so the government mandates it but i would make the argument that a biblical view of church discipline goes against the vaccine passport and uh a, fr- uh, a listener of ours uh jermaine wall um said to me shout out to jermaine and uh He's a church planter. And 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 he said, like, in light of you know COVID and all this stuff happening, it's really revealed the the DNA or the character of a lot of these uh local churches. And you really see what they're about, whether they were about fellowship or they were just, and I like this phrase he used, a content providers. Mm. Um, in the sense that, okay, well, you know, just do YouTube, right? <laughs> like, subscribe, share, leave a comment <laughs> versus like, um, you know, being in person. Yeah, they were giving you a biblical curriculum, not being a church. Um, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, yeah, it's, it's a very subtle point. He, he wasn't necessarily slamming anybody, but it was a very subtle point that, yeah, like you definitely see a lot of, you see the hand of a lot of churches in the way they played their cards in light of COVID, where you, you really see what your church is about and what your cousin's church is about. Which is good, which is good because it, it it's it's forcing these these conversations believers need to have about ecclesiology. Which prior to this whole thing, I was very I've always made the argument that Christians have weak ecclesiology, and because they have a weak ecclesiology, you're all over the place. Um, whether it's 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 in relation to how you deal with the world or you deal with yourself. Uh, and so the idea of the argument I'm making here is that um, church membership. Is like it's a two-sided coin. So on one side you have membership, and on the other side you have church discipline, right? And so for some people are kind of saying, okay, well, you know, what do you mean church discipline? And I mean like or church membership. I mean, just because you attend a church doesn't mean you're a member there, mm. right? And just like being a part of any membership, um, what comes with that is benefits, right? Benefits and regulations, right? That come with being a member. And so people are saying, okay, well, you know, where do we see this in the in the in the in the Bible? Because a lot of people don't even a lot of people are probably listening right now. They'd be like, wait a minute, like I've been attending this church for ten years, and I've never become a member. But you assume you're a member, but you're technically you're not a member. But um, we see that, uh, <laughs> right? So 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 we see um, the the discipline, the case for discipline in First uh, Corinthians five, which assumes public knowledge of who's in the church and who's not. Um, and then in, in verse twelve and thirteen, we see the expelling, right? So expelling makes sense only in the context of visible belonging. And then we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, uh, the majority, when he uses the word majority, uh, makes sense only in the context of a recognized whole. And then we know that lists of wid- widows were kept in the New Testament church, 1 Timothy um, chapter 5, verse 9. 
And the Lord himself keeps a list of all members who will inherit eternal life. Revelation chapter 21, verse 27. And so I'm looking at the book, uh, The Deliberate Church, Building Your Ministry on the Gospel by Mark Dever and Paul Alexander. And it says this, Church membership, then, is a means by which we demarcate the boundaries of the church. This is logically implied by the negative sanctification or corrective church discipline. Corrective discipline assumes that it is important for a person himself to know that he is a member of the church. He can't be expected to submit to to the church's discipline if he is unaware of his own membership in the church. Right, so it also assumes that other members need to know whether or not a person um, is part of that church. Mm-hmm. Right, so so mm-hmm. the idea is that the further corrective discipline assumes that it is important for those outside of the church to know who the members of the church are, because one of the main because one of the main motives for corrective discipline is the corporate testimony of the church in um in the unbelieving community. Right. It, Right. So, so the idea is that church membership, the church examines, examines you to give you a means of assurance. So that's why membership is important. Means of assurance, uh, discipleship and, and the regular gathering, right? Don't forsake the gathering, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Don't and that, that's sort of what I was and, referring to before. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's implied that it's not a telegram group or a whatsapp group or <laughs> it's well, an those actual are supplemental con- not yes, the content but but in the context of this yeah is actually meeting in person so the idea is who does and who does not belong to the church first corinthians chapter 5 verse 1 where we see the guy getting kicked out of the church for sleeping with um his dad's um wife his stepmom Right, and they're proud about it, <laughs> and then he, so 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 Paul's saying, okay, kick this guy out of the church. If he's getting kicked out, it's assuming he was a member. And then in Second Corinthians chapter two verse five, he's saying, okay, yo, okay, okay, bring this guy back in. Mm-hmm. Right. We also see the idea of the duty to um, assemble um, in Romans chapter twelve verse three to eighteen, and to serve. And so the idea is that if you put the vaccine passport in place. What it does is that it violates the person's biblical membership rights to be able to gather. Mm. So now you're actually sinning against the people you're supposed to be shepherding mm. by violating um, their membership rights. Because as a member, they have a right to gather. That's good. And now you're telling them, well, okay, well, based based on your your health. Not, not even yeah. your spiritual it's, health. You know, we we can make the argument. You know, hey Joel, don't come to church, you, because know, your spiritual health, bro, you're disgusting. Um, uh, you're being divisive. You're being divisive. Um, you're you're sowing seeds of dissension. You're you you're, you're preaching heresy. So you cannot. You you. We have a a spiritual uh passport. <laughs> right mm-hmm. to keep a heretical passport yeah. a doctoral passport to keep you out but that's not what we're arguing we're arguing well based on well and and your health those wouldn't be members anymore what do you mean right like you the the people that you keep out spiritually are the ones that you've generally removed from membership well well um yes well well well, well there's layers to the discipline and how fair. you remove fair, people fair. um but, um, but from, the point from is Spiritually, you're disciplining them because of their spiritual behavior. Yes, well, yeah, based but then, of on course, of course, non-spiritual reasons. 
Yeah, yeah. So the so so the idea is that uh, the, with church discipline again, and and it's an act of love for people who are listening. They're like, oh man, see that's why I hate the church because these guys all they want to do is come down on you, and and you, and you think it's it's one of those things where your mom's coming down on you or, or your dad's batting you up. <laughs> that's not that's not church discipline. Uh, again, church discipline ties into the membership in regards to um having somebody give you assurance. Mm-hmm. The believers, your brothers and sisters give you assurance that you're actually saved. So the idea of church discipline is it's all about teaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And that and that there's a there, there's layers to it where um where yeah. that your what, what does uh the discipline of exclusion for not getting your vaccine teach yeah, you? Yeah, so so teaches right, you to so, obey so, the state? Yeah, well <laughs> Well, well, there's five layers to it. So real quick, formative discipline, um, hear the word and fellowship, prayer meeting, ordinary means of grace. So the formative discipline is that the very fact that you're in prayer meeting, the Lord will speak to you about your sin. You're hanging out with brothers in the Lord and they'll speak to you about your sin. You'll be sitting in service and the, the pastor has a word for you and it speaks to you about your sin. So that's the formative. And then there's a confrontational, uh, Galatians 6, where you would confront somebody like Paul confronted um, Peter. Um, and then we see um, in exclusion, Matthew 18, where two mm-hmm. or more are gathered. They come, they confront you, um, and you get excluded because you, you're not repenting from your sins. And then um, there's the disassociation. First Corinthians five, <laughs> again, and the, the disassociation has to do with somebody um, who isn't just repentant, but they're actually um, preaching heresy. Mm. And at that point, you can't treat them like an unbeliever. You have to just disassociate with them because they're too dangerous to um, A wolf be around. Clothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you kind of have to disassociate with them. And then the other one is restorative and bringing people to repentance. So again, I, I, I think that churches that practice vax to summarize what I'm saying, <laughs> churches that practice um, vaccine passports are actually um, doing something unbiblical um, and actually hurting the sheep they're trying to protect. Mm-hmm. Well, and now um, if I wanted to... If we want to think about the criticisms to that point, right? Like, let's see, we can use the article from uh, this United Church in Toronto. Uh, it was dated mm-hmm. September 2nd. The title of the article from the Toronto Star was I don't understand how a place of worship is any less important. Uh, religious leaders asked to be included in Ontario's vaccine certificate. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, he's trying to make the, the I think the, whether it's the guy or a combination of the the pastor and the the author of the article trying to make the case, well, I want to protect the congregants physically, and you know, is that part uh isn't protecting them from getting sick part of my responsibility? And I think we would both agree, probably say, well, there's a biblical principle for that already: quarantine the sick, mm-hmm. not. And and I, you sort of almost said this, but but there's a under culturally society. I don't know what the right. There's this perspective like unvaccinated equals unhealthy, and I think that's a very destructive perspective because I'll say someone like me. I've been I made a comment on Twitter a while ago. Now pharmacology is my last resort, not my first. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, if I don't use pharmacology or pharmacy products unless i'm in a necessity 
And, and the simplest example, obviously I'm going into surgery. I'm going to take the anesthetic to put me under. But when it comes to long-term care, pharmacology is, is, is almost off the table for me. So with that perspective, and, and there's plenty of people that are along the spectrum with regards to that. We've now sort of said, well, if you don't take this pharmacology product, you're deemed unhealthy. Right, right. And, but the idea is yeah. that um, in the article from the pastor in Calgary, um, who was pro-vax. Um, That's uh, should the- churches require vaccine passports. It's in uh, Car- Calgary Herald. Uh, and the, guy, the author is also the pastor, I think, John Van Sloten. Um, yeah. So, sorry, what was he? Yeah. Yeah, so in, in the article, he says, um, either way, we make a choice. So our, our little faith community has decided to side with the majority of civic-minded, science-trusting Calgarians <laughs> for practical and theological reasons. Theologically, the argument is stronger. To be a Christian is to uh, model one's life after Christ, Jesus. Always put others first. He gave up his individual rights for the common good and sacrificed for the sake of the weak. He loved others as he loved himself and would have surely done anything uh, to do to, sorry, anything to best protect the unvaccinated children in his neighborhood. A Christian ethic always puts the vulnerable first. Take that, Joel. Are, are the, my vulnerable children my first priority? Well, well, he's making an argument that the Christians. Yeah, no, um, the Christian, my, the mm-hmm. at me. If I'm not putting my, you know, so um, when I was on the, um, anarchist, anar- yeah, yeah, the anarchist Bible study podcast. Um, trying to see if I can find my notes. Darn it. Um, there's a passage where, and I, in the NASB, it says, "Don't." Uh, not merely looking after your own interests, but looking after the interests of others. And, and merely is a, such a key word because we're not just going to throw out our own needs, right? Like your needs still matter, but we are looking to the needs of others first. Well, as a church member, is my another person in my church the f- primary means that I look out for others or or as a parent do my children become and my or as a husband is my wife's needs the first priority do i do i sacrifice my wife's needs for this person in my church right like what if there's competing needs right like there's that my point is that this this statement is like an oversimplification well obviously you just do what is best for the community without actually making the argument that this is best for the community. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, it, I, I, that's why when we started this conversation, I mentioned the concept of a sterilizing vaccine. Now I would argue even in the case of a sterilizing vaccine, this is sort of stupid or, or a violation of rights. It's a example of ignoring the rights of another. It's compulsory as opposed to, I know this isn't a, a great uh, theological point, but but the biblical, the uh, you know, New Testament talks about being a cheerful giver. Now it's normally talking about towards the church and and donating to and and supporting the church, but in general, the principle there is that this is a voluntary act that you're doing to serve one another, and so to just let's just throw that away 
<laughs> right? Like, oh, we're just going to do it compulsory as opposed to potentially call you to serve somebody. And if you decide that the that this particular action is not for you, I respect it. Right? It's not there's no command to say, oh, this is the exact way that you serve your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Right? I am gonna look out for the, the the needs of my neighbor. So in in my church, for example, if there is a high risk individual, maybe I avoid that person. Maybe I I make sure not to come in close quarters with that person, right? Like there may be other means that I can serve them, but there's an oversimplification that, oh, well, obviously this is the way that you do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. And I guess part of it too is like looking um, at the passage of, um, well, first of all, (laughs) I I think the way this guy um, talks about Jesus dealing with um, the unvaccinated um children in his neighborhood um i think it assumes i i, I think he's I, I think i think he's making um an inference that isn't necessarily there in scripture um, and i would argue it's not supported by the science either oh well <laughs> okay well i'm saying that um but anyway we have to be careful we have to be careful um to assuming things that jesus would have done that the scriptures don't necessarily address, right? So the idea is people will say, you know, what would Jesus do? Um, I don't, I don't believe in that. I, I don't think that's biblical to say what would Jesus do, and we go do what Jesus do. I don't think everything Jesus did is something we should do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's um, yeah. The the body has has multiple parts. Um, well, no, no, no. I, I, know, was, that's I, was, quite, I know that's no, not quite I, the point you're making. I, I know, I know. I, I was just gonna say that. Um, yeah, that we shouldn't do what Jesus did. We should do what Jesus said. So the idea is we build um, God's will of um, command, not his will of decree, right? Will of command, will of decree. And so um, he commands us to um, you know, love the poor, take care of widows, uh, don't steal, don't lie. Mm-hmm. But um, his his will of decree is is one of those things where we see things happening. Like for example, Jesus flipped over tables um, because he didn't because he didn't like what was going on. Like I'm not gonna go into uh, somebody's church that's preaching false teaching and, and flip it over. I'm I'm not gonna do that. Um, Jesus says um, in the well, passage, and, and context is relevant, right? Like I think some of what your point is too is that like. Doing what Jesus did is more important to understand the theology that's underlying via what he said and apply that to the context. Yeah, it, right, right. And, and so the point is, and, and I think I think the reason, so Jesus does these, I'm not going to say weird things because that sounds weird, but Jesus does these things that show that he's God and he's separate and he's different, as we say in the streets. You know, Jesus is different. He's just different. <laughs> so for example, Matthew 15, 26, and he says to the woman um, who's, who's a Gentile, and, and she's asking for help, and Jesus says, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to, to the dogs. Well, that's not nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's not nice <laughs> to say to somebody who's in need and refer to them by, their, uh, by the racial uh, slur, in a sense. Because Gentiles were seen as dogs, like 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 do it, Jesus. Yeah, we're not we're not going to do that. Um, Jesus um, is feeding the five thousand, 
right? I mean, this is one of my favorite passages. Jesus mm-hmm. feed the 5,000 and then he gets jumped <laughs> and then they try to jump him. Well, why did they try to jump him? Well, because they wanted to make him king. Well, why did they want to make him king? Well, because he's giving them free food. And why not have a king where you can have a, a free welfare, uh, have a welfare state, a universal welfare state that doesn't dry up? So they got aggressive with him. Um, yeah, the the only person in human history who didn't have to worry about uh, uh, scarcity of resources. Right, right. But but what Jesus does is right. He he does he had he had to flee. He had to disappear because um, you know he 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 had he had he had a, a, another agenda. Now Jesus could have just sat there and said, "Okay, you know what? Uh, yeah, let's establish this a kingdom. Let's let's get rid of these uh, Romans. Let's let's get rid of this oppression. Let's let's have free food for everybody and call it a day." And and so my point is that you know him using Jesus as um, a Gandhi um, is not is not biblical. And so and I and I think it's important to when we talk about Jesus to to make sure that there's balance to Jesus, right? There's balance to Jesus in the way. He went about his life where it, he isn't leaning on a political spectrum. So I think um, the the there's a great there's a paragraph that that this guy wrote that that I think is you know uh, so that that pastor from the, the articles in Calgary Herald to be show notes page but the article or that paragraph that that you're referring to this is what he wrote um, and I actually this morning in my readings I was coming across a, a verse that actually made me stop and go okay no I don't have enough time. I got to do this tomorrow because I really want to dig into this. But so I'll read it after. So the the paragraph is theolog and this is what you said. Theologically the argument is stronger. And and you started to read this but I think the whole paragraph is really helpful. So to be a Christian is to model one's life after Christ. Jesus always put others first. He gave up his individual rights for the common good and sacrificed for the sake of the weak. He loved others as he loved himself. And he would have surely done anything, anything to best protect the unvaccinated children in his neighborhood. A Christian ethic always puts the vulnerable first. So this morning, uh, Proverbs 29, verse 7. The righteous is concerned for the rights of the poor. The wicked does not understand such concern. Um, and so the reason I stopped was, wait a second, how often do I see the word rights in text or in the biblical text? Uh, my, my first instinct was like, whoa, this is like the first time I've seen this. And, and so I, I paused because I was like, okay, I got I to gotta dig. I got to look up some commentaries. I got to look up other translations. I want to really, and again, I'm reading from NASB. And, and so the reason why I think it's so important here is like, one, his statement, Jesus, he gave up his individual rights for the common good and sacrifice for the sake of the weak. Is he talking about Jesus going to the cross? What do you mean? Like, when he's saying that Jesus gave up his individual rights, is he talking about God going to the cross? Or Jesus going to the cross? God going to the cross? I think so. Now, I know there is text that talks about there is no greater love than the one who lays down his bro- life for his brother. Mm-hmm. But who qualifies as my brother? Sorry, what's your point? What are you getting at? And so, yeah, with the brothers, those um, who follow God's word. Yeah, what's your point? But, but I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about like in my community of a church, right? And you know, the example that I would say for those of us that go to bigger churches, you know, the as you move outside of let's call it your small group, what that looks like is going to change significantly. 
right? Like, what I mean by that is like, if I go to a church with 4,000 people and, you know, somebody in my, that I don't really know has a particular need, you know, the level that I sacrifice for them is going to be different than the people that I live in community with through my small group. And, and I think I, I use the word, or I use the number 4,000 because like, you know, you clearly there's going to be people within your church that you just like don't know. And so the way that I sacrifice and I serve them might be monetarily, as opposed to I'm willing to get on an operating table and give them my kidney. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that maybe more people should be willing to get on an operating table and give them a kidney, but to some extent, I'm like, okay, as a young father, I'm going to be potentially taking a risk. Maybe it's a small risk, but it's not. maybe it's not a risk I'm comfortable taking because ultimately, I feel like I need to lay down my life for my kids and my wife first. And if I'm potentially hindering that, is this really what God's calling me to do? And, and again, I go. That's why I go back to like it's like to me, it's an oversimplification of this principle, because I would argue either he has an agenda or he's trying to make an argument, as opposed to like he's not teasing out what does laying down your life look like in the context of a church where you've got let's just make up some twenty five percent unvaccinated and seventy five percent vaccinated. What does laying down the life your life look like in that context? That's not the question he's asking. He's writing an article to justify the position he already has. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the idea, I guess, um, that I think he's getting at, and what some, or maybe I don't want to assume too much into him and misrepresent the man. So I'm not going to misrepresent him. But the idea that I think that a lot of people kind of get at is, is the idea of um, healthism, right? And so um, whenever we add, a suffix, um, an ism to the end of a word, uh, we 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 philosophize it. Uh, racism, capitalism, socialism. Um, when we add the ism to the end of the word, it becomes more of a philosophy. So when we say healthism, um, the idea is that you know people have their own philosophy on health, right? That's why you know people say I'll. Get a second opinion. This is why we have natural paths, um, and then traditional uh, big pharma, right? So, so people people kind of forget the idea that people actually have their own philosophies on medicine, and it's and it's rarely ever talked about. So people assume like it's already a foregone conclusion that this particular doctor um, knows everything, right? So you have the idea of healthism. Um, we've seen wealthism. Um, and even like, so these are ideas. So wealthism is 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 um, an idea where where especially in the context of a church, where we're like, okay, well, we're going to prioritize those who are most wealthy, and so we're going to keep those poor people out, and we're gonna um, we're gonna lift up those who are of noble um, noble status. This is mm-hmm. what we saw um, in the 16th century in in uh, uh germany and this is what sparks the, the the protestant reformation and in france and switzerland right um and, and, so- and this is what's in uh galatians no um no james too right yeah Showing, yeah sorry james too right partiality partiality to the rich because you yeah. wanted them to be donating to your right. church 
Right. So we see the well so we see the wealthism in the church and that being a divisive point. We also see racism. We see racism as a point of division in the church where we said, okay, you know, no blacks. Right. And so now we see healthism in a sense where um where we see um a medical apartheid in the church. And so the idea is this if churches today are so quick to implement vaccine mandates, uh, how quick would they have been to implement segregation laws in the 60s when black and white churches were segregated, right? So would we as a church uh, been just as complicit to church segregation back then? And as a historian, um, you know, a lot of times we presentize the past um, and we try to say, oh, or as a, or like chronological snobbery. I love that term, right? Where we look back and we're like, oh, uh, we're better than those guys, um, which is missing the whole point because- Those guys are just like us. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're just like us. And and especially if you're not working from a Christocentric worldview where you're working with um, a higher authority of moral status. So if you, if you don't work with that worldview, what argument do you make for what is a moral standard? Because back then, when black people were being enslaved, the moral standard was what the majority thought, mm-hmm. right? It, 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 just like today, but it's just like today. Like you say, okay, well, what's the moral standard for um, what's right or wrong? Well, it's what the majority thought. So if, if our moral standard today is based on what the majority thought, back then, it was the same thing. So what makes you think you're different than those in the past? Mm. Yeah, I was, I was actually, uh, it's good you put, point said that that way because i was i was i wanted to make sure i understood the parallel you were drawing because i think it's easy for people to like ah you're what are you talking about like you know racial segregation and vaccine segregation how are those the same but, oh, well, but you want to know want to want to know how, how, how those are the same <laughs> both both liberties are being violated both liberties are being violated right same thing same thing when when women were being mistreated mm-hmm. Right, the the idea isn't well. Okay, well, you know, it's because it's women, or because they're black, or because they haven't been vaccinated. No, what what the thing that the common ground that all these marginalized, even the Jews, the the thing that all these marginalized people had was liberty. It was limited. Mm-hmm. It was a limitation right? of their liberty. It, it was it was a it was a limitation of their liberty. Right. So this is this is or or more heart- so, I would say, limitation of their rights. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's fine. But this is a problem. Yes. And this is and this is the connection that people um, fail. This is the connection people are failing to make. And so, um, just like you know, when we look at these churches and and they say, okay, yeah, let's just implement um, a vaccine passport, right, to to segregate our congregation, uh, the elect and the non-elect. And actually, I, I pretty I could be wrong, but I guarantee most of those churches that actually believe in the elect and not elect wouldn't be doing that. But anyways, that's a whole other episode. But yeah, but the whole idea is like, yeah, okay, those people who are vaccinated are the elect, and those who are not are reprobates. So um, we got to put them <laughs> out, right? Um, but even, but even we know that, you know, based basic ecclesiologies, you know, the church still welcomes, um, goats, right? Just as well as sheep, right? But no wolves. What? 
I said, but no wolves. Yeah, well, well, the idea and, and the idea of wealthism. Um, I read it in an article from um R R R Reno um in the magazine First Things, um, and and he's a um he 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 was a professor of theology at Creighton. Um, and so now he started this magazine and, and he says this in it, and this is about wealthism because people are like, Oh, well, you know, what do you mean wealthism? And, and so forth. So he says this, we are rightly vigilant in our fight against wealthism. We should be equally vigilant, um, resisting healthism. The lure of lucre has been around for a long time. More recent is a close relative of greed. What's what some call safetyism and what I'm calling healthism, it is the disordered pursuit of health, one that overvalues physical well-being. Healthism is evident in our society. Exercise is a good thing. But most of us know someone for whom the many hours at the gym feed vanity about uh, her figure or um, fend off his fears of aging. Or we know someone who suffers from painful, even paralyzing anxieties about getting sick that are out of proportion of any sick or or any risk or danger. And when he when he said that, I thought to myself, I'm like, yeah, germaphobes, right? <laughs> we all we all know germaphobes. Howie Mandel. So, so, but we we all know ger- germaphobes. You know, God bless them. But right. Like it's good to be clean. It's good to wash your hands. It's good to, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like a nasty place, right? So, you know, be clean. I, yeah, I'm all for that. But then there's a point where they take it too far, mm-hmm. um, where that where it'll prevent them from doing certain things. And for some people, no word of a lie, it prevents them from going to church, right? And light and 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 COVID has has heightened this germophobism. Or healthism, it, it, I think it's heightened it to the point where people are like now, like, um, you know what? I can't even breathe. Um, and I heard the term before, and it kind of scared me. I can't even breathe unvaccinated air, right? And if and if, and if those things are preventing you from doing your biblical um, call to be a member and committing to serve a community, then you're practicing idolatry and you're in sin. Mm. I think that's a that's a really good point. I think, um, with regards to idolatry, there's I think a lot of fear right now, which to some extent is understandable, but mm. disproportionate, and consequently, there's this you know idolatry of looking to the health experts to solve my fear. I just want to go back to normal. I just want whatever. But but it it's a failure to, you know, in the case of the the scenario we're talking about, okay, what is God calling me to do to serve my membership, which includes unvaccinated people, and I, and I think you know to circle back around, one of the dilemmas that you have to wrestle with is oh sorry 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 just I also yeah. wanted to hit the point that you know the church during the Black Plague was on the front lines yes. serving people, so you so we can't sit here and say okay well the well the church hid in safety. <laughs> And didn't deal with people who were sick. But anyway, sorry, Joel. Go ahead. Well, and it's a great point. Like, okay, if if you're afraid and you think the vaccine works, what are you afraid of? Like, if if you're actually afraid of unvaccinated air, that tells me you don't think the vaccine works, right? Like, it, it's sort of like talking outside of both sides of your mouth. 
right? Like, if the vaccine works, that's why you want me to get it. Okay. But if you have a problem being around somebody who's unvaccinated, that means you don't think it works. Because, mm-hmm. like, and so this is where it's like the fear is disproportionate. Because go back to the reason why I wanted to mention that was like, if you're, if, if you're wanting to serve other people, you went and got the vaccine so you could now go into the community and serve on the front lines. Well, you're actually undermining that perspective by saying, well, I can't be around unvaccinated people. Mm. Okay. And, well, let me ask. So, sorry, okay, yeah. sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say that, you know, the, the idolatry piece is it's, it's this very peculiar thing that I think is a product of a, a lot, right? It's a product of, uh, let's say, Canadians growing up in this very socialized system that we didn't realize how socialized it was. It's the education system that is like super subversive regarding, you know, free market perspectives. We always need central planning. There's always got to be somebody deciding for everybody because people are way too stupid or, you know, people are just not going to follow the rules and it's going to put other people at risk. So we need some of these central planners to, this is a, a Marxist ideology that is rampant in our school systems. It's rampant in, you know, higher education. I was blessed to some extent because I was in a more, um, you know, numbers objective, you know, classes that I really didn't get exposure to it. But but it's it's this ideology that is saying I need someone to help. I need someone to do it for me. And now there's an idea, and you you mentioned it earlier about. I mean, I. I sort of said, okay, rights, but I think liberty makes is a really good word. Like both of those words are important to use because you have the liberty to stay home if you're afraid, Mm -hmm. but you want to restrict someone else's liberty so that you don't feel afraid, right? You want to restrict the liberty of another unvaccinated so that you can do something that you currently have the liberty not to do. And you're choosing not to do because you're afraid. Now, right. there may be a, you know, let's take the high risk scenario person, right? There may be a reason that like, you know, you may not be able to, to go to a large group of people during a pandemic, but what's the right call for a, if I want to respect rights, I want to respect liberties. Is it to say, okay, I'm going to restrict oh, other people's liberties so that I'm safe? Or is it to say, I either choose the risk or I choose not to take the risk. And I would argue, as a Christian, if you're saved, what are you afraid of? Go live in community with your church and trust God. Now, don't be reckless. Take precautions. Wash your hands. Mm-hmm. What's your two cents on the issue? I, I'm, my two cents is that if your church is putting this in place, I really think you need to consider another church. I, I wouldn't say that universally. There's no exceptions, but I would be very skeptical of the decisions. Um, I want to leave a little bit of room for grace for, you know, let's say a long-term care facility church. I can disagree, but I can be a lot more understanding because potentially there are no unvaccinated people as the membership. So if, if your membership is fully vaccinated, you know, um, the primary ecclesiology is shepherding 
the flock and not evangelism, right? That's the the Great Commission is not the role of the church, right? That's the role of the individual. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, if you have a church that's fully vaccinated, putting in the mandate basically just keeps out the riffraff, if you want to look at it that way. Um, and and I'm a little bit more let's call it sympathetic to that. But as soon as you have membership or you know, let's call them regular congregants because our membership theology is pretty soft. Um, you know, regular congregants who are unvaccinated and you decide that it's appropriate to exclude them. Yeah, I think I think you probably need to leave your church and and look for a church that's biblically sound. What about you? What's your two cents? I think I think uh, that if you could tr- I wouldn't try to give it like a somewhat of a, a balanced approach um in regards to looking at this. So for example, um we have Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. Um, and it talks about, um, well, it says this, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, talking about Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And so for Christians, um, we, um, the, way we, the way we look at death, yes, Nobody wants to die, but I think there's there there has to be a distinction with Christians in the way we look at death, and that we're not overly um, we're not we're not lifting it up as the primary um, virtue um, par excellence, right? And that our we understand that we're not in fear of hope because of what um, Christ has done on the cross for us. Uh, but with that said, we look at, um, I, would, I would also, on the flip side, I'd put Matthew 4, 7, and that um, the scriptures, um, Jesus says um, in Matthew 4, 7, uh, Jesus says to Satan, um, when he tells him to jump off a cliff and the Lord will catch you, he says, again, it is written, you shall not um, put your, the Lord your God to the test or, or tempt God. So I've heard people say, and I just want to make it clear that, you know, we're not saying, okay, don't get vaccinated. Um mm-hmm. Because people get vaccinated, don't trust God, or God will come in and save you. Um, trust God, so don't get vaccinated. That's not what I'm saying. Um, that there's, there's, I think there's, there's balance to not being afraid of death, but also being responsible. Um, and that and it goes back to my earlier point that you know Jesus um, is very uh, nonpartisan, and he and Jesus. When you look at Jesus's life, um, he's very unpredictable. <laughs> Uh, he's very unpredictable and he doesn't fall within anybody's box and i think this is how you know he is divine because he he doesn't necessarily align with anybody so we have to kind of be careful um to make jesus a jesus of our mind and not a not a jesus of scripture so i'll conclude with this i think the covid19 pandemic uh has been good for the church historically right so the church is um so historically uh the church has flourished in the midst of persecution and hardship. Um, and the pandemic has given the church an opportunity to tighten its ship doctrinally. So if the vaccine passport is the paradigm of love, then the church of vaccine passports um, are the right thing to do. Now, I would humbly disagree. The mandate of the church is not to preserve lives, but to save lives through the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Let us know what you guys think. 
Were we off on anything? Uh, did we miss anything? Is your church thinking about uh, implementing vaccine passports? And you need a recommendation for a new church. <laughs> you need a recommendation. <laughs> yeah, no, I couldn't no, resist. But, uh, I couldn't resist. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Well, well you know, we'll definitely get to see um, how this plays out. But I hope, I hope this was helpful for a lot of people who probably, you know, going to their church and being like, okay, hold on, what the heck? What is this? Um, yeah, so please let, let us know what you guys think. You can contact us at sixcentsreport at gmail com uh, like us on facebook uh, leave a comment review on whatever podcast catcher you are listening to uh, it really helps uh, the show to grow if you're trying to get in touch with me it's do good at darnell d-o-g-u-d-d-a underscore darnell on twitter and instagram or darnell samuels on facebook and i'm t joel and 39 everywhere uh, instagram facebook twitter and um yeah just let us know what uh you know if there's another dimension to this issue we definitely uh we don't want to miss it because we'll probably come back to it another time yeah i'm sure i'm sure i'll come back up again (laughs) well and and i mean if if history in the last year and a half serves us we will see that uh these these measures likely aren't going away Um, they might pull back a little but uh, you know, there's definitely some. Uh, I know, you know, I know the the this protocol. We've only really touched on the part about vaccine passports in the church. Um, you know, there's there's a couple more pieces that this this legislation. Well, it's not even. It's an order in council, which is a whole other dilemma. But you know, there's 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 meat here, so um, it's likely going to be uh, coming up in conversation again, especially if uh, when Ontario goes into an election next summer. So. As yeah. I said, if, if there's something else that, uh, whether it's vaccine passports in the church or, you know, with this particular uh, uh, rules and mandates that have come into place that you want to you want us to speak on, definitely reach out uh, because, you know, as we've said, there's there's plenty of times listeners have given us the the reason or the, the catalyst to, to have a conversation that maybe we weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, make sure you guys go join a church, man. If you're a believer and you and you out here um, attending, uh, what is it? Um, Common Grace Pillow Fellowship, you need to leave that church, <laughs> right? <laughs> and find a, a place of uh, you know sound, loving believers. Make a commitment. You grown now. Get in community. Make a commitment to serve and love some people, man, and 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 stop attending Common Grace Pillow Fellowship. Six cents makes change. But you heard me? Does that make sense? Madden and Mitchell Media.